Hello. Hello and good morning. Um, good me, afternoon. Not you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, good afternoon for me, I guess. And good morning for me. How <laughs> are you? What's new? A lot is new. Um, it's been a heavy two weeks of just a lot of drinking. I'll be honest. And I don't really drink that much anymore. So that holiday season. It really, yeah, I feel like I've been in a perpetual hangover and the brain fog is real. Like today, how I very blatantly did not respond to your message. I've been like, it's just been, I'm excited to not be drinking as much. For Understood, sure. but I'm I'm imagining you're not doing dry January. I know a few people doing dry January, but to me, that's ambitious. No, I'm not doing dry January. I also don't think my hot take is that if you feel like you need to take a month off of drinking, then you need to reevaluate your relationship with alcohol. That is very true. I think it's like the I feel like it's like the baby steps of people like realizing, oh, maybe I don't have a good relationship to drinking. So in that case, I do think it could be like a good start where if people are like, you know what, I would like to test my ability to like test my level of discipline. I think Mm -hmm. it can be good. But yes, I think you're very right that it's it's a level where you're like, okay, I need to reevaluate how this is a part of my life. I completely agree with you. Like, it can be very productive. I think I'm also just very against anything restrictive. Yeah. Because I feel maybe it's just for me and maybe it's just everything that I've heard about restricting, but it can oftentimes lead to an adverse reaction after it's done. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. If you're like, oh, I have 30 days of no drinking, then it's afterwards yeah exactly it's 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 a little bit i see the danger there for sure yeah um how was your new year's eve new year's eve was pretty uneventful new year's day though i went to laser tag oh (laughs) i like rediscovered the passion for laser tag Um, that's so fun it's so fun and there's this place in pittsburgh it's been around since before I was born, like opened up in 1996 and it has not changed an ounce since I was a child. Like it That's is so the exact fun. same and it's where everyone would have their laser tag parties as kids and stuff. And with me and my younger cousins who are, I mean, old now, they're like 21, 22, but mm-hmm. we always do like a Christmas activity, either an escape room or something like that. And this year I said, let's switch it up. Let's do something different. So we all decided to do laser tag and it was so much fun. I, I was a real, I was a real sniper with my, with my laser taser. I love that. I love laser tag or at least my memories of laser tag. Mm -hmm. It's so much fun. That's the thing. It's so nostalgic. It is. For me, we got into laser tag in high school, mm. which tells you the the type of high school experience I had. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like not even early high school, like junior, senior year. I think our like grade wide party was laser tag. And then, of course, we had a real party. I drank guys in high school. I was cool. OK, um, 
but anyway yeah I love laser tag and that's so fun that you get to do it with your cousins and it's yeah. like a usual activity or you have this tradition yeah we have a tradition we have a tradition and and now I think like we're definitely bringing laser tag back it's 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 on a revival so I'm happy. I need to come to Pittsburgh for Christmas one <laughs> you year too. No, I want to do I, laser tag I've become obsessed too I've started like looking because you know I'm going to in Alabama. France yeah well okay I, oh, okay I doubt it's in France I I have to look I mean it I might. I don't think it is I don't think it is I think they've all been put out of business because like there was just a period of time where I don't think enough people were laser tagging mm-hmm. but um a tragedy so really <laughs> that was the real pandemic <laughs> really no laser tag that was the dark ages um but i was i was looking in los angeles because i'm I'm going out to la today and Mm -hmm. i was like let's do laser tag like i don't know why it's it's become it's become a real thing i've done it twice over the course of of like christmas break i did it once with my younger cousins and then i did it with like my family friends as well so i like desperately need i need your French girlfriend's review of laser tag because okay I sent you a TikTok this morning of like American foods that would put a French person in a coma (laughs) and I think although not a food I think laser tag would put a French person in a coma but at the same time it could also be so amusing to them like I could see laser tag being the thing that unites France and America I love that optimism. I really, I, I mean, that's a hot take. I would just love for all of America to fight all of France in laser tag. I would too. I would too. I'd love to see that. would be really funny. I think think that that the Americans would, of course, end up on top. Well, because there's so much more of us. (laughs) That's true. Double the population. If you're thinking numbers wise, (laughs) definitely we'd smoke them. But I think just skills wise as well. I think we have more of a background in laser tag than compared yeah. You to the make French. a good point. That's so true. Um, but yeah, it's it's actually one of the laser tag champions. I'm sorry we're going on about laser tag so much. <laughs> I can't believe champions of the U.S. comes from Laser Storm in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Like he actually <laughs> laser tag base. <laughs> and they had the national championships in Utah, that like this past year, and um, his name is like Matt Red Dog, which is his like fake name, like Red Dog, Red Mater. Dog, Matt Red Dog Mater. <laughs> I think, I think if I'm, if I'm, <laughs> we were like looking at all the posters and like trying to figure out who is the number one champion. Fair. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Um. um yeah. Anyway, laser tag. That's laser aside. tag completely different topic that we're talking about today which is the mbti or the myers-briggs type indicator yeah i was i had no idea that's what mbti stood for because i kept trying to fit the word personality into the the acronym i was like where where does it go i think people kind of ignore what the acronym like people or people call it the myers-briggs personality test i think that's what it also goes by well okay or that's what people call it like colloquial yeah do you want to give a bit of an introduction on how it was developed i will i will um and correct me when i'm wrong this was back i want to say it was like 19 
was it developed in the 1930s? I actually, I don't know the exact decade. It was I think 1940s. Designed. 1940s. 1943, okay. I believe. So basically, it all started with one of Carl Jung's works. Uh, he tried to kind of theorize about different elements of people's personality and ways of thinking. Then come along Catherine Briggs and her daughter, Isabel Briggs Myers, who really liked Jung's taxonomy and his way of theorizing. So they decided to come up with their own personality indicator. So they based it off of four different dichotomies. So you have extroversion versus introversion. So most people know what that means, like being an extrovert and you're really outgoing and you get a lot of validation and like uh, energy from being around social situations versus introversion where you are more um, internally stimulated. And then we have intuition and sensing, which is the N or the S, if I'm correct, uh, Mm -hmm. which is like your inward kind of uh, your inward compass to say, or like your inner judgment or observing what's going on and kind of sensing the world around you. Then mm-hmm. thinking, feeling, the T or the F, which is rational versus emotional decision-making. And finally, judgment versus perception, uh, which is kind of planning and making judgments about what you want to do versus perception is I have it written down as improvisation, but I don't think that's exactly what it is. I think perception is more like um, you you can I go with know. the flow a bit more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're kind of ready to act based based on what you perceive rather than yeah. based on what you've kind of judged in advance. So yeah. that gives us sixteen types because you have mm-hmm. four different dichotomies and combining them gives 16 types of personalities and you can actually they all have names as you know so there's do you know what the what what different names are i know there's like the campaigner there's the what are some of the other ones i'm the console the console i don't really know what that means they all have very like fancy names i think that's i think that's a reason people love it so much they're like i'm the I'm the bird watcher or whatever, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, obviously that's not one. That is not one. That's fake news, but you know. <laughs> I'm the artist. Yeah, I know. I, yeah, I yeah, yeah, exactly. Everyone loves a label and they really, really, they took that and ran with it. But yeah. something that I wanted to add is what was really interesting from my research is that mm-hmm. this was kind of rejected from the beginning. Um, and it was originally rejected because it was the work of two women without graduate degrees and obviously it's the 1940s they're women are not gonna have a graduate degree they're not gonna have a graduate degree but also women just simply will not be listened to mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um and so say they were basing will. it off of Jung's theory so it's it's not like it was so out of the ordinary they, they weren't coming up yeah, with yeah. that had no basis in psychology they were basing it off of something that was already theorized and they kind of yeah. created a new verbiage for it and that is a big defense of the mbti even today is like science good practice states that theory comes before evidence and so even if you have something with a lot of evidence if it's not based in theory Mm -hmm. then 
it's still quite biased. Whereas if you have something based in theory, it can't really be pseudoscience. The thing I haven't come to like a good conclusion about it, and it's very hard to because there is just conflicting evidence. Like there are studies that say it's reliable. There are studies that say it's not reliable. There are studies that say it's valid. There are studies that say it's not valid. But I will say like personal experience, I've taken it a number of times. And the only thing that's ever changed about my indicator or my personality type is the E versus the I, the extroversion versus introversion. And it's That's because so I funny. kind of fall <laughs> on like the 55, 45% line yeah. uh, of being like partially extroverted, partially introverted. I have never gotten the same type twice. Really? No. I've never gotten the same one twice. And I think, it, I mean, I do, I don't take it frequently. Like it's not mm-hmm. like I took it yesterday and then I took it today. Like I yeah. take it with years apart. So obviously personality is very fluid. Mm-hmm. I'm growing and stuff. But yeah, I've never gotten the same one twice. And That's I don't really even get interesting. Like, close to it. The last thing I remember being is ENFP. That's mm-hmm. the last one that I remember. And now I'm ESFJT. So extroversion is really the only one that sticks. But um, I wanted what I wanted to say about the reason I brought up that their work was originally rejected Mm -hmm. is because now this test brings in 20 million dollars each year. Yeah, it's huge. Like it is there is so much revenue from this one measure which sets it apart from all other personality and even just Mm -hmm. self-report measures in general in psychology like I don't Mm -hmm. know of any other quote-unquote test yeah that generates revenue like the Madras doesn't the Hamilton anxiety scale there's I mean I'm sure there's some money involved but it's massive and it like for me it brought up the question of capitalism and the company that produces it like yeah they're this is marketed. This is not just this is not just psychology at all. Definitely. And I think that that brings up a good point where I think the psychology academia and then corporate psychology, they often don't get a like they're often mutually exclusive. And not yeah. to say that they always are because some corporations do use tests that are widely accepted but this is one that i think has kind of gone to the arena of pop psychology and the arena of corporate psychology much Mm -hmm. more so than the academic side and there is some i think there's some remaining academics who like this test but it's kind of gone to the other the other side, not to say that they're they're completely separate and that it's a dichotomy, mm-hmm. but I will say that I think corporations and the individual people taking it are attracted to it because it's so kind of neutral in a way. There's nothing that other personality indicators have, like the big five, um, that would indicate anything quote unquote bad, like 
if you're going to take a full personality panel, you're going to mm-hmm. look at things like neuroticism. You're going to look at, you know, other things that you might not want to see, whereas yeah. the Myers-Briggs is completely neutral. There's only good that can come out of it, you know? And so that's I why- I will say my personality type called me turbulent. Wow. Attacked. And I, <laughs> that has also, I remember that is quite consistent. Like I have gotten turbulent- like really? my personality type is ESFJT and the T stands for turbulent. Wait, I okay, <laughs> tell me more about this like last letter because that's not what was part of the original test, I think. Okay, let me I don't remember what the other one what the other option. Oh, I think it's turbulent versus assertive. Interesting. Um but does turbulent just turbulent- mean that you're likely to change personality types because you said no. that you always change personality types. No, no. Okay. A, assertive means that you're calm in the storm. It means that you're self-assured, even-tempered, and resistant to stress. Mm-hmm. Whereas turbulent people are success-driven, perfectionistic, and eager to improve. Okay. Why do I have to call it turbulent? Like I, yeah, that, I think that, I'm just that has a bit of a negative connotation. But that um, that but those I agree, were though. added on, and I don't know what year those were added on to the. I mean, test. I did read that this personality test has been evolving and like mm-hmm. has been edited as recently as 2019. So. Okay. Wow. But I do agree with you. Like I was thinking about the personality traits of aggression and impulsivity Mm -hmm. and stuff like that stuff traits that are like actively considered also in psychological disorders Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. symptom assessment and stuff like that there's none of that here there's none of like how do you respond when you're angry how do you I guess there's a little bit of how do you deal with stress but you're so right that it is just very positive and there's Mm -hmm. no bad personality trait which is which It makes sense why a lot of like corporations use it or even like schools. I remember taking it actually for the first time in high school when they were doing the kind of like career workshops. And I will say, so another interesting background to the MBTI was that it was developed by um, Catherine Briggs because she was trying to theorize what sort of positions women would best work in since they hadn't been at all part of the workforce so she was kind of using this to say oh these are the careers that would fit best for the people taking the mbti uh which i think is very cool and it's still used sort of in that sense but one of the misconceptions i think is that people say oh this is going to be used to tell me where i'm going to perform best and that's never what it was meant to do it was meant to show where you would be most satisfied. And I do think that that could be a really interesting application of the of the personality test. Because if you are, say, like more of a sensing versus, you know, or like if you're more of a, wait, what is, is it perception versus judgment? Yeah, perception versus uh, yeah, judgment. Judgment, yeah. You probably will get more out of certain jobs than you will the other, you know? So I yeah. think that that's an interesting application. I just, th- yeah, I agree. I think it's been taken too far. I think it was an observational study where correlation does not imply causation mm-hmm. and it was just commentary. And then now suddenly everyone's using it to predict what college I would do best at, what 
job I would be good for, what major I should study. When, again, I've said from every time I've taken it, I've not gotten the same personality type. So as a senior in high school in October, I'm going to be very different to even the following October starting college. And I've not used it for um, career prospects or anything. I've only used it for college applications and stuff because it was forced upon us Mm -hmm. and then just for fun to see how I change but yeah I think my qualm with it is it's been taken way too far out of my gosh it's it's crazy because it's really everywhere like when I was doing a bit of background research I wanted to look at what people were saying about it from different perspectives so I went on YouTube and it was just shocking the amount of videos on the MBTI and also like people have the worst takes on MBTI. People really think that it means that you can predict someone's behavior and entire personality. And it's just not that. And I also take qualm. I'm getting fired up about this. So do you know the YouTube um, psych to go Have you seen that? No, I haven't. It's like one of those, I don't know. It's, it's one of those like pseudo psychology uh youtube like animation type things where they just like make up facts and they call it psychology it's really annoying and so great i forget what the (laughs) title of that video was but it was some it was some like incredibly bad take about what you're gonna do in life based on your you know like it's just something Mm. that was was so off about your mbti and i it just it gives me a headache it that that makes my head hurt honestly no and people are so susceptible to it because I think there is a human urge to understand oneself Mm -hmm. and I really think this test caters to that 100 percent and like their their marketing team they must hire some of the best people because Again, I now can't help but see this as a product. I don't mm-hmm. see this as anything but something that people are making money off of now. And mm-hmm. they're capitalizing on this human desire Definitely. to think about yourself and to know yourself and self-discovery, which I don't think is a bad thing at all. I think that's one of the advantages of this test is you're given the opportunity to think about yourself and to mm-hmm. reflect do you take that opportunity? It's up to you. But I love personality tests for that to really sit with yourself and think, okay, if I'm in a room with five people I know and five people I don't know, am I the one to bridge the gap between us? Or when I wake up, do I actually want to be making to-do lists or is it just something that I'm conditioned to do? Like little things like that to think, to reflect on. But But I think it's not a holistic measure. Like I think if you're going to if you're saying this is going to tell me who I am definitively, which I think a lot of people mistakenly do, I think that's mm-hmm. where the problem is is like, oh, well, since I know this, I know every like this this is the determining factor of my personality whereas it's not even a, a like a fully accepted measurement. So, if you want to understand yeah. your personality, take I mean, take all the tests, which a lot of people do. And that brings me to another test, which I don't know a lot about, but I'm don't wondering say if you it. do. I hate this. The I, Enneagram? I hate the Enneagram. I despise. I, 
I despise the Enneagram. Okay, but because why? At Tell me least why. I don't know enough is, about it. Okay, I don't know enough about it either, but I'm pretty sure that it's not, it has no basis. I'm pretty sure that it has zero psychological basis at all. And I don't believe that. Numbers. It's numbers. Like, how can you classify someone as a number? I mean, how can you classify someone as one of 16 personalities? But I just, I'm like, where who someone developed this and threw it to the wolves okay but explain this give me because when i google it it says enneagram test validated by science oh (laughs) no i have have no idea the the personality lab do they know the definition of validity have they taken research methods we should probably like, we should probably clarify that for our audience. What is reliability? What is validity? Because we talk about that all the time in psychology, but I don't think people always know what that true. means unless they're scientists. Um, okay, let me let me refresh my memory. Because so validity, I, did... I know is is it measuring what you what want it, it to measure? Yeah. So if yes. if and then the extroversion introversion test involves something that is more so about your like i don't know if if it involves something that is more about judgment then that's not measuring ex- extroversion versus introversion yeah, you know yeah, what i yeah, mean yeah exactly is it measuring extroversion and not anything and else? usually they use that like usually they use other tests that are already like mm-hmm. um widely accepted to kind of they correlate it with it yeah Yeah. if they're highly correlated then it is indeed measuring what it's set out to measure and then reliability is kind of how consistent the results are Mm -hmm. um so under different conditions can the same results be reproduced essentially um i'm reading about enneagram because i i i still like i don't know much about it but what is it saying? It's nine different types, but I think you can be like one type with another, like one number yeah. with the other one. Like you have a dominant one and then you have two other ones. Yeah. It's also promoted in business management as well as spirituality. Um, yeah. To, like to gain insight into workplace dynamics and presented as a path to higher states of being and enlightenment that's i mean mm, that's that's, that's some big promises <laughs> you will get enlightened if you know your enneagram i i doubt that but what is it like off. based on um i do not know i know i've taken it once because i was curious yeah it was actually wait it was derived by teachings of the bolivian psycho spiritual teacher oscar Icazo. okay i i i don't know i, I don't, we I... would have to do more research in order to tell you our our uh, our findings on this but it's just another i mean it's a, it's a more it's a more um let's say artistic interpretation of a personality test that's how i this read it. is saying this is saying that it's a model of the human psyche well that would bold. be wrong <laughs> <laughs> that's so bold i think the thing is is when when 
tests like these become popular, they don't become popular along with the the scientific discussion about the advantages and disadvantages of self-report measures. Mm-hmm. They just become popular, which rightfully so, because not everyone is a psychologist or works mm-hmm. in research or, you know, but at the but end then of the I, day... The problem like, is, like, I, I think the problem is that and this will be my my own personal like rant and tangent, but I don't think that psychology is treated as the science that it is. Like it actually is science, and yet people decide based on theory what they want to believe mm-hmm. and run with it and make it a giant like corporation thing or or just like make it a facet of their entire being that like, oh, this personality mm-hmm. test has told me who I am. Or this theory has told me who I am, or mm-hmm. even going a little bit, going a little bit off the rails. But like, even this diagnosis has told me who I am, which is like, oh, yeah. it's just, it's just part of a facet of like the human brain, which is literally incomprehensible. We have not yeah. mapped the brain well enough to mm-hmm. actually fully understand it. It's like an ever evolving science, which is why mm-hmm. I take issue because I think people don't treat it as a science; they treat it as like oh, well, like, you know, as a definitive thing that doesn't change. I completely agree. And I think part of that is because psychology is the most accessible science Mm -hmm. in that we all know what we feel, or at least we all experience feelings and we all experience Mm -hmm. being human and we all experience having a mind. And so it's really easy to read something somewhere and suddenly be like, yes, I completely know it. We all fall prey to the power of suggestion in general. Yeah. And especially with psychology, I think that's a huge issue as to why it's not regarded as a science or the mm-hmm. science that it is, is because, you know, not everyone can understand molecular, the molecular makeup of our neuroanatomy. Mm-hmm. But everyone can understand what feeling depressed feels like. And yeah, yeah. It's just that is difficult because I love psychology for that reason, that Mm -hmm. it is so part of humanity. But it's really tough working in science of psychology where I know how long it takes to develop a measure. Mm -hmm. It is not just you come up with questions. You're like, how can I ask someone if they're extroverted or introverted? Like It does take time. And Mm -hmm. Catherine and Isabel spent 20 years on this and we do have to Mm -hmm. give them credit for that. Yeah, But at the end of the day, things are just going to become popular without the without the caveats of social desirability responding or extreme mm-hmm. responding or acquiescent responding or um, the the caveats that, you know, maybe we don't know ourselves as well as we think we do. And we just respond in a way that makes us feel good. Definitely. Definitely. I that's, think that's my tangent. <laughs> And rant. No, it's I think it's I think it's true. <laughs> and I think that obviously we ask those questions more so when it's um it's a self-report measure because mm-hmm. the power is in your hands to, you know, tell the test what you're feeling and be mm-hmm. honest. Um, but that's I mean, a lot of what we have in psychology is self-report because Unless you're doing something like uh, EEG or, you know, measuring Mm -hmm. brain waves, 
you can't tell the other person what's going on in their head if you're just handing them a questionnaire. Uh, so there is that issue with psychology is like so much is self-report and so much is subject to that sort of like fallibility. So yeah, yeah, definitely. I wish people would, I wish people would open their eyes a little bit, but (laughs) will it happen? Who knows? Who knows? I, I, yeah, I I think it is happening. Um, At least with the MBTI, I think Mm -hmm. people are realizing, you know, it doesn't really deserve all of this hype. Yeah. But then like, that's the thing is like it, when you get something that is so hyped up like the MBTI, like when it's so present in our, you know, in our culture, then you get, I think, maybe an undeserved backlash. You get like people saying it's not at all, you know, it's not at all psychological. It's not at all reliable. And I think yeah. that, you know, it's it deserves criticism, but I think there's a nuanced way to look at it. Definitely. Yeah. I read an article called in defense of the Myers Briggs Mm -hmm. and they said that it's no less valid or reliable than other personality tests. And they were talking a lot about how a lot of, so the most popular article in recent history discrediting the test is called cautionary comments regarding the Myers Briggs type indicator and it's by David Pittinger. And basically he says that there's poor test-retest reliability. That's one of his main arguments. And the article in defense of the Myers-Briggs pointed out that the article actually has a lot of reporting bias and doesn't fully Mm. report all of the Mm. findings and kind of, yeah, selective reporting of the results that support his argument. And that's a major issue. Like, that is not... new that's a major issue in psychology in the meta-analysis that i'm getting published that was a huge criticism of a completely different field of psychology Mm -hmm. and psychiatry like that's not new but when something is so popular it is something that should be discussed yeah and can you explain a bit more about bias because i think that's something that uh, a non-psychological researcher might be a little bit curious and unsure about So I think generally bias is just kind of when intentionally or unintentionally personal motivations influence your work. Not even personal, but just external motivations influence your work. So this is a great example of selective reporting bias of, oh, I'm not going to report the full story to make my argument stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, there's other types of bias. I'm familiar. I'm mostly familiar with randomized control trial bias. So, for example, in a study that has two phases, where the participants, let's say, for one week take one drug and then for another week take another drug, there's crossover bias where the influence of the first drug is still effective in the second week. So, influencing those outcomes, just things that kind of muddy the waters of research. And definitely research reporting is bias. Yeah, I think that's 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 something that as psychological researchers, you must be thinking about all the time because it is even like I think I think a lay person would think, oh, bias, that means you are intentionally trying to, you know, introduce something. But actually, a lot of times bias is completely unintentional and 
it's not even necessarily the fault of the researchers. If you get a sample that is biased in one way, then that can introduce bias. You know what I mean? That's why you can't yeah. you can't introduce people into uh, a randomized control trial that don't fit the requirements. Let's say if you're looking at healthy individuals who aren't on any um you know, who aren't on any antidepressants and then someone who is on antidepressants becomes part of the study that's biased, you know, or that that will Definitely. result in um, a not non-biased uh, yeah. result. Yeah, and <laughs> all research has bias. Mm -hmm. And I think that's another, another, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Another hesitation, I guess. I have with with research becoming popular psychology is there's so many measure there's so many ways of checking bias there's so many hoops that researchers jump through to reduce bias but it's always going to be there because no research is perfect which is why we say you can never prove something you can only disprove something but that's again not considered by the general population because they don't know. And how would they know if they haven't studied psychology? They've got other things to study. Um, but yeah, even even myself, who now has two degrees in psychology, I don't always have the time to consider these things mm -hmm. when I'm reading articles or articles in different fields. If I'm reading, I was going to say an economics article, but I'm not reading economics articles. <laughs> If I was hypothetical, that's a hypothetical that's just too hypothetical. <laughs> that is so hypothetical. If I were to be reading an article about economics, I don't know the ins and outs of economics research. Yeah. And even if I did, even if it's similar to psychology, which I'm sure it is, I'm not, if I'm passively reading an article, I'm not going to be nitpicking all of the ways that all the things that I would have done differently no I'm yeah. just reading so anyway definitely definitely hmm. <laughs> I think we've covered like most of, I feel like we've 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 picked up our MBTI to the best of our abilities but do you know let's let's talk about like in our individual lives like do you know yeah. people who are really hyped up about the MBTI because I most of the people in my life, I mean, it's ubiquitous. Everyone knows what the MBTI is, like, yeah, across yeah. countries. I mean, this is like, it's an international phenomenon. And yeah. once again, we completely understand why. Like, it's it's very fascinating. And to understand mm -hmm. your personality and and to kind of pick apart different facets of who you are is always going mm -hmm. to be interesting. Yeah. Um, but I know that it's it's a huge thing. And I know people who are who are very very into the MBTI. I wonder if you as well know people like that. I remember in high school, people were really into it mm -hmm. um, and kept talking about it. And I remember all of my friends were INFJ or something like that. And they were like, this is the rarest personality type. So, <laughs> and I was like, there's four of you in front of I'm me. Different. So I don't know. <laughs> I like you guys aren't, you, you guys must all be compiled right here. Um, yeah. Or I remember, I think in high school I was really, I was into it as well. So I was like, mm. everyone I hate is an ESTJ or whatever. <laughs> was that the one that I got? Was that my own? No, I got ESFJ. Um, <laughs> um, so 
there was a time that I knew a lot of people were into it. And I remember one time my mom came to me, not to like expose my mom, but she was like, Kimia, we did the MBTI at work. And she thought she was like really embracing psychology in that moment. <laughs> and I think I she was relating to the apart. kids. <laughs> she was she was trying. She was like, see, I go to therapy. I did the MBTI. <laughs> Oh, um, and then I kind of picked it apart and we had pretty much the conversation that I have with everyone about the MBTI of it's great to reflect on yourself, think about yourself, think about your habits, but do not take this as gospel. They're not telling also, anything about you that you don't already know because you told yeah, it what to tell you. Told- you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> you know what is so fun about MBTI is all the hmm. memes there are so many great memes. I don't you, think I made it that far deep into my MBTI oh, research. I have. I have. I yeah. You can look look it up because there are MBTI memes and you know they're quite fun and they're not completely inaccurate. Like I think that's the thing is like it takes common knowledge psychology to like a new level where if you're extroverted, like if you're strongly extroverted, if you're one of the people who is, you know, more than like me, where I'm kind of 50-50, if you're a strong yeah. extro- extrovert, you will behave in ways that are is are quite different than an introvert. Same as, yeah. you know, any of the other ones. The, the thing is that with any dichotomy, you know, you might, no one is 100% one versus the other. I mean, rarely and so you have the other you have the other element within you it's just that it's not as expressed but if you're one of those people that is very very strongly in the direction of of one Mm -hmm. of those two options in in each element then definitely you're going to behave in that way and so I think that's where that's where these fun and funny memes come from because I think that that they are you know you can kind of predict certain things based on based on this. Yeah. And what is life if not content for memes? So <laughs> Man, if you're not true. making fun of life, if you're not making fun of life, then what can what are I you say? Doing? You're missing out. <laughs> you're really missing out. <laughs> yeah. 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 I don't yeah. know if you know about any other like I'm trying to think of other other psychology memes. Do you know do you follow any like psychology related meme pages? I I don't, but I'm sure they're out there. I don't there. think I I don't think I do either. Um I think I take psychology like a little too seriously if I'm honest. Which is <laughs> no funny, such thing. Because... no such thing. <laughs> I just yeah, I don't know why I don't take psychology. I, I mean, I don't know why I don't follow any psychology meme pages. I feel like I would like them. But yeah, I think I'm afraid that there will be one I don't understand. And I'll be off like a breakdown. <laughs> I'm not smart. <laughs> I am smart. I'm very knowledgeable. Oh my gosh. Okay, well, that's yeah. that, that'll be like, that'll be the thing I want to do this week. I want to like, I, I'm going to go on a deep dive of of the best psychology memes sounds good i don't want any freud memes though i think those are done no freud yeah but i will say some of them are funny (laughs) i okay no freud memes that have been done over and over that have been yeah that have been overdone no freud memes about your mom yeah yeah not your mom but like 
moms <laughs> mommy issues daddy issues it, it, yeah when are we going to enter an era where we're not talking about mommy and daddy issues like that Maybe is the next era. generation that is the next generation well no we because if we do yeah if we all do the work no my kids are absolutely like it's generational trauma does not stop with me unfortunately um <laughs> it's true <laughs> that's, that's it's genetic <laughs> like it's in my genes if i biologically reproduce i can't eliminate it the the genetics are still within me and who's not to say that my partner won't have generational trauma as well if that ain't right if that ain't right yeah i i love how now everyone like everyone in self-healing you know their self-healing era they're like the you know the bus stops here the the, the, the bus cycle stops ends here, here. <laughs> the cycle ends with me this that's cycle delusion ends with me. we're like no this cycle continues a turning i'm sorry it like the cycle is going to thin and slow down with you and the bus is going to stop but it's going to move again because yeah there's it's called generational for a reason it's not one generation <laughs> I was um, actually I was literally talking about this in therapy the other day. I was like <laughs> I mean, I I have a, I have a very like cognitive behavioral approach to my own therapy. So most of it does not center around like let's talk about everything that got that's gone on in my family and life and that will mm-hmm. like make like the biggest difference. Like obviously I think it's it's smart to kind of like start there. But I definitely brought that up i was like yeah of course all of my grandparents had anxiety they were like all in desolate poverty what what are you gonna yeah. do like uh, that does that doesn't like i don't know if that really affects my day-to-day living like maybe it does but i think i think the the point is to look at where you are and then try to yeah. figure out like where you can go rather than all the past because everything it, that happened, it, it yeah. is a generational thing and there are certain things that you can't control even if even if you understand it there are certain things that absolutely you know there are certain things that are unfathomable in terms of like you can't know everything about everything that's happened in your past in your generational you know yeah so the point is to understand that it affects you go from there and figure out how you can live your life without that being like such a stumbling block I think we'll have probably an episode on family and filial influence and generational mm-hmm. trauma and whatnot. But I think the best thing about understanding the suffering of your your ancestors, if you will, is it helps you build empathy. And I think that's mm-hmm. been the big thing for me is I'm not going to unpack my parents' immigration stories in therapy mm-hmm. because it's not mine to unpack. Yeah. But again, as you said, understanding how it affects you is has been huge. Like I understand yeah. now how my mother's upbringing has affected her mothering choices, how it's affected mm-hmm. my reaction to them, how it's affected who yeah. I am now. And it go to tie it all back together, self-understanding and the search for personal knowledge about yourself. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And once you know, then you can kind of, I mean, 
that brings me to another thing where I, I, I debate this all the time. Like, do you need to know everything to move forward? And I think the answer is no. I think it helps at times. It can help immensely. At times, it doesn't help a significant amount. You know, you don't always need to know the the catalyst to understand the effect. So I think Agreed. understanding the effect is the big part. And then when you understand the catalyst, sometimes you can better understand the effect. Yeah, it's like a breakup where the only closure you need is that it's ended. Mm -hmm. You Mm -hmm. don't. And then with time, you can try and unpack it. But if you're seeking closure, then all you really need to know is the outcome. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. What is your personality type? You never told us. Ah, yeah, it's... um. So when I was younger, I got ENFP, and I I think that one's the campaigner. And then lately, yeah. in the past years, I've been getting INFP. Um, okay. I, I've been falling more towards the introverted side. And I don't know what that one is. I think it's the little lady with the flowers, which I love. You know, like the, you know how they have yeah. the little emoticons or whatever? And yeah, I yeah. think it's the little lady with the flowers. So I'm all about it. I'm all about that it. That makes, um, okay. I INFP believe in people. I believe in MBTI because I think you are such an INFP. I won't deny it. I won't deny it. <laughs> um, well, on that note, nice. now you know. Now you know who we are. Now you can now make you all know. of your judgments based on, on our... Yeah, on now our you MBTI. know everything about me, including my social security number and my credit card number, so you can impersonate You're me. welcome. Yeah, and impersonate the other billion people who have the exact same personality type as well. Um, I have to tell you, I'll leave you with the fact that I had my company Christmas party two days ago and I witnessed so many married men cheating on their wives. Unsurprised. Like, I mean, surprised, but not that surprised. At the company Christmas party. No, no, no. That's where all the cheating happens. That's where it happens. It was wild. Um, You can leave that in if you want. I, I, it's a good I hook. Yeah, you gotta text me the details. Okay, well, Dude, this has been fun. It's wild. Yep. Okay, I'm gonna go eat. <laughs> okay. Uh, enjoy safe travels across the country. Thank you. Thank you. Love you. Love Thank you so. very much. <laughs>